Okay, I understand that the subject matter can be triggering, so if there are any points where you would like to take a break or skip a question, please feel free to do so. Okay. Date of recording is Friday, May 1st, 2020. I'm Joshua Miller. Can you state your name and year of entry for the record? My name and my what? I'm sorry. Your year of entry into Goucher College. Oh, um, my name is Nay Jeffries, and I entered Goucher in 2016. Okay. Um... So the first part is going to mostly focus on like general and background information. Uh, and the first question is, where did you come from? Like, how would you describe your background and what was your life like before attending Goucher? Um, so um, I was born in Baltimore, Maryland, um, and subsequently that's where I spent majority of my life. Um, I have moved, I moved out of state twice, um, when I was younger in elementary school, um, but that, you know, um, I don't really, I don't think that's a very, um, pivotal point in, like, my life, um, but I think one of the most important things to kind of note about my upbringing is the fact that throughout my entire life, I've gone to predominantly black schools, um, where a lot of my teachers were black, um, and identified as such, um, so I had the opportunity to be around a lot of black people, um, a lot of black educators in my life, um, but, you know, I also, I also had some white, um, I also had some white teachers and things of that nature, so, um, I think, the most important thing to understand about me and kind of where I come from is the fact that because I went to these predominantly black schools, I never once had to question my identity um, as a black woman because I was always around black people. So I never really had to question my identity because everybody looked like me for the most part. And this is not to say that I was never around white people or um, things of that nature, but I was around so many black people that, like, I kind of didn't have to second-guess the fact that I was black. Like, I didn't have to think too deeply into my blackness and how my blackness affected other people. Um, so I think that's the most important thing to to really highlight Um in my life before coming to Goucher because once I came to Goucher, I think that I think having this conversation about identity and my blackness and, you know, how I identified myself as far as like race and, um, you know, having all of these different, having all of these difficult conversations became a normal at Goucher, but this was a normal that I wasn't really used to because we never really, because when you come from a place that's filled with black people, you never really have to talk about being black. You never have to worry about, oh, you're black and, you know, this is a problem because everybody looks like you. So, yeah. Okay. Um, what did me, um, what did attending college in general mean to you? Were you excited by the opportunity? Did your family expect you to pursue a degree? 
So college for me, the thought of going to college for me um, started when I was younger. Um, As I mentioned earlier, when I moved out of state, I had a really, I had a teacher who was really important to me and he kind of seen the, he kind of seen what I was capable of academically and so he planted the seed of me going to college but from what he was seeing in me he thought he's like when you get older you should apply to Spelman you know this and the third so I always wanted to go to college because I wanted to do something that was more than like I wanted to do something that was more than minimum wage um so I think college for me was a way to better myself and a way for me to make more money um and then as I got older like college became more and more important to me because I'm a first generation college student so no one in my immediate family um has gone to college no one has that experience you know and I am also the oldest of seven kids and because I'm the oldest, I felt the need to have to set that precedent. Um, and I felt the need to have to be the example for my siblings that, you know, you can always change your circumstances. You can always, you have power to change your circumstances. And in that way, um, like you have control over your future. So a lot of, I went to college for me, but there's a purpose in me getting my degree because I want to be able to set that precedent for my siblings and let them know, like, it doesn't just stop at high school. And there are so many other opportunities that you can have if you just push a little bit further and, you know, like, further your education. So, yeah. Okay. What motivated, what would you say motivated you to attend Goucher? Um, well, I had applied, in applying for colleges, I had applied to four different schools, and I got into two of the schools that I applied to, um, Goucher and Longwood University, which is a school in, um, Virginia. Um, I kind of weighed my options. I had honestly been around Goucher my entire life um just because I grew up in Baltimore I had been I had been to Goucher multiple times for like field trips and stuff like that like when my mom um my mom went to a trade school um and when she graduated from there she graduated at Goucher so like I had always been around Goucher but honestly that wasn't one of the places that I ever really imagined me going there was a woman in admissions she was a black woman and she came to my high school and she did a presentation on Goucher and I was just so infatuated with Goucher by the way that she explained it so like I thought it was cool but once I got my two acceptance letters I like weighed out my options and stuff like that and definitely um the finances were a factor Goucher was offering me more money than Longwood but Goucher's tuition was also higher than Longwood's um and just based on 
um, other extenuating circumstances such as like my health um, in regards to the fact that I'm autoimmune deficient and um, I have a lot of doctor's appointments and things like that. I felt that undergrad would be a good place for me to, um, that would be a good time for me to stay close to home. That way, like, you know, I can make all of my doctor's appointments and stuff like that and, you know, be close to family. Like, I wanted to get away, but I didn't want to get too far away that, like, it would be a hassle for me to get home. So, um, Gaucho was just, Gaucho was the perfect place for me to be because that, um, because I was, I was close enough to home to where I could get home and I could get to all the places that I needed to go you know, independently, um, without having to, like, call somebody or find somebody who would be willing to take me home and stuff like that, so, like, the money, and the, the money was definitely a factor, but just the, the proximity of the school to, like, my, the, the life that I live. Okay. Um, did you believe um, I'm sorry. Is it good to continue now? Yeah. Okay. Did you believe, despite the fact that Goucher is a predominantly white institution, that you would still have a voice as a person of color and that your issues would be addressed by the administration if any came up? Um, honestly, like I said earlier, I that's not a factor that I really thought about. Mm. Um, I knew that it was a predominantly white institution. And like I said, I came into Goucher with this, with this, I, I was, I was really naive when I came to Goucher. Um, because again, I never really had to question my identity as a black woman. So, I mean, I understood that it was a predominantly black institution, but I think there was just something in me that was so naive that it was just like, okay, um, I'm like, okay, this is a predominantly, you know, this is the PWI, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, there are going to be, you know, there are definitely going to be some black people here, um, but I guess kind of where my mindset was, where my head was, was I was like, okay, I'm not going to have to... Like, it didn't cross my mind that I might have to face something like that, where I felt like I wasn't going to have a voice or something like that. Like, that just wasn't anything that crossed my mind. Okay. Um, well, you spent... Well, you're now in your senior year, right? Yes. Well, now that you've been here, in your time here, have you felt adequately represented as a black student? Do you feel you have a voice in the classroom? If so, how do you think that's perceived by the other students and faculty? If not, what makes you feel overlooked? Um, I would say yes and no. So part of the reason why I would say yes, like, and this is not just like a yes where it's like, Oh well, um, like yeah, I feel like I have a voice in the classroom, and I feel like I'm I'm listened to, and stuff like that. It's not only that, but I kind of feel like I'm over relied on in some of my classes. Um, for instance, I am a peace studies major, 
And because I'm a peace studies major, a lot of the conversations that we have are geared towards social justice and, you know, things like that. And on top of Goucher being a predominantly white institution, we also have a vast number of, um, you know, white professors. So it becomes hard when you're sitting in a class with a white professor who is kind of talking about the struggles of black people and you know there's all this research and stuff done and it's looked at in an academic light and you know and a lot of what they're talking about is stuff that you know you went through growing up but as these are things that you went through growing up you never like as far as I'm concerned I never really thought of it as oppression because I, I didn't know anything else so I feel like when it came to when it comes to me being in a classroom with my peers sometimes my life experiences are held at a higher value and people sometimes look to me to be that token black person and kind of give them a piece of my experience because it's a lived experience and it's not just like an academic article or a white professor trying to teach about you know the black experience um but sometimes you know that experience is also not welcome and it kind of just feels like those experiences are shut out of certain things or you know you read something and you can tell that it's geared specifically towards white people because black people are not included so you know in certain classes you just I know as far as I'm concerned I just try not to I try not to step on any toes sometimes because I know that some of the things that I can say just is like me um, me analyzing the situation. Um, I realize that some of the things that I can say might, you know, offend people who are not black or people who are not black may not understand and then it may become like this whole debate and it might become this whole argument and, you know, like, so I, sometimes I definitely do feel myself having to tiptoe around certain conversations or tiptoe around or really be thoughtful about the way that I say certain things or really be thoughtful about the way that I engage with my white counterparts because, like, some things they just don't understand. Some experiences they just don't understand. So in, a, in the fact that I'm trying to be authentic and the fact that I'm trying to be as real as I possibly can, I also have to understand that, like, these people don't have the same experiences as me. They don't have the same background as me. And, you know, sometimes my experience is not valid in their eyes. So there's definitely been, throughout my four years, a feeling of me having to seesaw and kind of discern when to allow my experience to shine through and when to just keep my mouth shut. In, in light of that, would you say that there have been points where you had to create your own spaces on the campus? Um, definitely. And when I first got to Goucher, um, I felt it was definitely a culture shock when I first got to Goucher. And I was not used to being around so many white people. <laughs> um, Goucher was diverse 
and when I came in my when I came in my first year, um, I remember being in one of the opening ceremonies, and Jose kind of just um, touting the fact that we had the most diverse class that Gelcher had ever seen. Um, and I forget the exact statistic, but he had given us a statistic that it was this many uh, this it was this many students of color who were currently enrolled at Goucher, um in our first year class. Uh, but it just didn't look like that. It just like everywhere I went, I kind of seen you know <laughs> a whole bunch of white people, and then every now and again, I would see a couple of black faces, you know. But I kind of just felt like. I needed to be around people who kind of looked more like me because I felt out of place. So I went to the involvement fair and I like sought out groups that seemed diverse to me. And like, you know, one of the first couple of groups, cause I had met um, a couple of people just in like opening activities and they were people who were um, upperclassmen and stuff like that. So I kind of knew who to look for when I went to the involvement fair and I looked for the people who I knew and I joined their and I joined their um I joined their clubs um and like I feel like that is where I began to make that's where I began to feel like I could make the space to sort of be myself because these spaces were already made for me. So I could take these spaces and use them to my advantage, um, which was a lot of the time just being somewhere where I could share my experiences freely and have people who understood exactly where I was coming from. And even if they didn't understand exactly where I was coming from, from a lived experience point of view, they could understand where I was coming from, you know, on the basis that, you know, they were also black people and maybe they experienced something similar, but maybe just not the same thing. So like, I felt like I utilized spaces that were already made for these type of things to make them into my own. Okay. And in general, would you say that you've ever felt motivated by your surroundings and Goucher's community to do better? We were talking about feeling motivated by your surroundings and Goucher's community to do better in like your personal endeavors or even your academic pursuits. Yeah, so um, I, my freshman year, I ended up joining a lot of different clubs and groups um, just because I wanted to experience different things and I wanted to experience all of the student spaces that Goucher had to offer. Um, but I found myself sort of drawn to the things that had like a lot more um, sort of black people and this was these were the sort of spaces where I felt like I could be myself like I had I, re- I just remember in my first semester being in classrooms and feeling like I was un- I-, I was underprepared for college um, some of the subject matter that we were talking about like <laughs> I had never learned this stuff prior to coming to Goucher so I really didn't feel like I necessarily had a voice in a lot of the classes um, in that aspect 
because I just didn't feel like the education that I received from Baltimore County Public Schools really put me in a position where I could have these type of conversations and be knowledgeable in those type of conversations. So <clears throat> when I began to surround myself with other people, like this, these were kind of some of the things that I vented about. Um, these were some of the things, because these were some of the things that I felt uncomfortable about. And I was kind of in this weird limbo space where I couldn't necessarily, I didn't feel like I could necessarily call my parents and have this conversation with them because, again, this is an experience that they've never had, you know. So um, it it was hard for me to pick up the phone and call them and, like, fully understand that they would not have been able to relate to these experiences they would listen and they would try to give me the best the best advice possible but sometimes like if you've never been through something it's really hard for you to give advice on something that you don't understand so as far as me being around other black students and stuff like that like you know I would tell them that I was academically struggling you know um or I was having problems with like being social or things like that so people would kind of like invite me to little things or you know be like hey let's have lunch and my roommate my first year was also um she was also black so uh she was Ethiopian just to be a little bit more specific but you know she would invite me to things and you know stuff like that but I think me being around other people people like I for the first two years of my uh, college experience I would call myself rather introverted I was um I was introverted and I was just scared to really be social but then I started hanging around um people more and more and I started getting comfortable more and more with like black students and stuff like that who did encourage me you know and then that's when I really started to come out of my shell and I really started to um really just become a part of the Goucher community and more specifically the black Goucher community. So, yeah. Okay. Cool. That's the end of the first section based on background. The second section is going to focus on the hate crime itself. Okay. The morning of November 14th, 2018, the student population received an email from Vice President and Dean of Students Brian Coker informing them of anti-black graffiti on Hubeck Jeffrey's first floor. Do you remember where you were and how you felt when you first learned this news? Well, um, I was one of the people who didn't know anything about this when it first happened. I had gotten up, I had gone to class, um, and it was a normal day. Um, and I just kind of remember, I feel like this was Wednesday, um, but I had gotten up and I went to class. And um, at the time I was on the Gaucho Women of Color Circle leadership team. Um, also known as Guac, 
And I remember after class, we had a leadership meeting. And it was in the air, um, in the children's section of the library. But I remember before I went there, there was a, a lady who was outside, um, and she was selling, like, different things. And I, I bought some hats and stuff like that. So after I bought the hats, I went in. And people, they, I, I went in, and we were starting the leadership meeting. But everyone was kind of talking about something that happened. And, you know, I just thought it was some random doubt your chit-chat. Um, and uh, I was like, what's happening? What's going on? And then other people from leadership really started to tell me what was going on. And once I had gotten all of the details, I was extremely furious, like less scared because I, I'm aware that some of the women who I was around were a little more scared, <coughs> but I was upset. I was angry. I was like, I, I had so many questions. I'm like, okay, so what would prompt somebody to do this? What? would I'm like the, the atmosphere at Goucher is allowing for someone to be this bold and to do stuff like this because <clears throat> throughout the four years that I've been at Goucher throughout the four years that I've been at Goucher I have there has been an email sent out just about every year about someone writing something racist or something offensive about a particular group on campus. Like, every year, it has never failed. Now, this year, my senior year, it didn't happen. But every year prior to that, this was something that was continuing to happen. So I automatically go into question mode. I'm like, how does this happen? Like, what gives people the authority to want to have these kind of conversations? Like, what gives people this authority to hate so much on, like, these marginalized communities at Goucher? Like, how, how, why are we doing this? Like, and I was just, I was infuriated and I was enraged and I threw out the idea of um, having a blackout. I was like, we need to do something in solidarity. And I don't think it was a fully comfortable. Like, I don't feel like it was fully, um, like, a cohesive idea. But I was like, we need to do something in solidarity. You know, like, we need to do something in solidarity. And I was thinking of something where black students all wore just, like, the color black to stand in solidarity with one another. Um, and I was like, you know, maybe we can protest or something like that, but I I didn't expect it to get turned into what it got turned into um, because as I brought this idea up, I was talking to another one. We, we were all having a conversation about this. Like, leadership was all having a conversation about this. And um, I, had bought, I, I brought up this idea. I was like, this is something that we need to do, yada, yada, yada. And someone um, from the leadership meeting was like, I don't think we should do that because I know – for myself, like, I feel targeted. I feel as though 
uh, we don't all need to be together. Uh, we Not that we all don't need to be together, but we don't need to be together in one space. She was like, I, she was like, I feel vulnerable being together in one space. I kind of feel like us being together in one space and us doing a protest or something like that is unsafe. I don't feel, I don't feel comfortable. And you know, I just let the idea go. But like I, that, I wanted for black people to be able to band together. Mm-hmm. I wanted for black people to be able to have that voice to say, "This is not right," and administration needs to do better. Because I just, I, I also just remember how vague. After reading the email, I remember how vague it was. It was really vague. It didn't have a lot of details, and I was like, okay, so why are they not giving us more details? Why is it just kind of like this is the thing that is going to be swept under the rug again? Because as I previously said, when these kind of things happen, you hear about it one time through your email, and then afterwards it's over. So I was like, I don't want this to keep getting swept under the rug, and especially because specific students were targeted. But I want to ensure that black students are heard, black students feel safe, and I want to make sure that administration is listening. Because I can get my parents to call up here all they want to, but my parents are not students at Goucher. My parents are not here at Goucher all the time like I am. So I want to ensure that I'm safe as, as an adult, as a student who goes here, as a student who pays tuition, just like everybody else who goes here. I want to ensure that I'm safe, that administration is hearing my voice, not only my voice, but the voice of my other fellow black people. So how, what, what can we do to ensure that this, this is being heard? Like, I was just, I was so angry, I was so frustrated because I just felt like when, I, I, I just hated how these things when it came to marginalized communities at Goucher, I just hated how these things were handled. You hear it once and it was never mentioned again. No one ever knew what happened. No one ever knew if these students got caught. Like, nothing. And I knew that this was a situation where if we didn't press the issue, if we didn't put pressure on the administration to actually do an investigation and get Baltimore County Police involved and, you know, stuff like that, that this was going to be something that ended up being swept under the rug and all the black students at Goucher were going to be uncomfortable. We're going to be uncomfortable. We're constantly going to be in fear. So I, I was I was very upset. I was frustrated. I, I was just like, I just went from, I just went directly into think mode, organize mode, plan mode. It was just it was just something that automatically switched in me that was like this is not right and we need to figure this out. Was there any point throughout all of this where you felt personally unsafe or targeted? Um I would say after the blackout. Mm-hmm. Um that was one of the times in which I felt the most vulnerable. I felt like during the planning of the black hours and stuff like that, um, I was okay. You know, like, at, at different times I did feel as though, like, I don't know, like, I felt like I always had the support of other black students on campus um, who were kind of involved and um, 
they were involved with the planning and stuff like that. So I feel like I always had their support. However, after the blackout is kind of, I was like, okay, like I just spent all day in Mary Fisher. Um, and I was definitely one of the people who was more visible. Um, I helped lead chance and, you know, I was just definitely one of the people who was more visible in the whole thing. And so after we had a debrief and we talked about certain things and, you know, um, I knew that I didn't want to walk back to my room by myself. So I called public safety and Tony, um, walked me back to my room. And then that night, I don't, I, that night I heard someone at my door and I, it sounded like they were shaking my door and trying to get in. So we, the people who were very, the people who helped to organize this event, we were all in a group chat. And I remember sending a message to the group chat. I'm like, y'all, somebody's playing on my door. And they were like, nay, if you need us, we'll come. But what we need you to do is we need you to call public safety. So I'm like, okay. And I called public safety. And one of the public safety officers came to... Um, my door, I think his name was Bernard, but I like filed a, like a, a complaint or something like that. Um, and yeah, like, but that was out of this, out of that whole ordeal, that was the most, that was the time where I felt most, most vulnerable. I felt the most unsafe because I was like, okay, so someone knows where my room is someone knows where my door is and I don't know if this was accidental I don't know if it was purposely because thank god my door was locked so whoever it was couldn't necessarily get in but I'm like it, it just sent this this wave of paranoia through my body where I was just like I don't feel safe um somebody knows where my room is and I had a single at the time so I was like I don't have a roommate I don't really know what to do. So, you know, I was constantly checking in with the people in the group chat after um, the public safety officer left. And, you know, thank goodness nothing else happened that night. But it was, um, it definitely rattled me a little bit. Okay. Um, could you describe some of the activities that were done throughout the blackout and how you felt throughout the event itself? Um... So, it felt good. Um, the blackout as a whole to me felt good um, because there were so many people there who were in support. And there were so many people there who were there in solidarity and just wanting to be a community and create unity. Um, I was, I was, I wouldn't say frustrated. I don't really know how to explain the emotion that I had, but... I guess I was just a little bit disappointed because it feels like at Goucher, and this is not just with black students, this is with all students, but we tend to have this thing where we feel like it's okay to bond over trauma. We bond over traumatic instances. So in lieu of this blackout, I mean, of this, of this blackout, everyone came and everyone to show support and everyone wanted to be in solidarity with one another and it was like okay 
this is great that y'all are here, but like when organizations and clubs like Umoja do events and stuff like that, like I've never seen this many black people at at an Umoja event. But now that we're all in this space where it's like, oh, this is a traumatic instance. This is something that is hard on us. And we're all scared and we're all vulnerable, but we all want to let administration know that, like, we need safety and accountability on this campus. Then that's when everyone wants to show up because everybody else is scared. But, like, we hold these safe spaces all the time, but no one really feels the need to have to come to these safe spaces. So I was definitely a little bit disappointed and a little bit upset that, like, it took for something as traumatic as this to happen. Um, But... Some of the things that we, like, some of the activities that kind of happened during the blackout, like, um, I know early in the morning, people were, people who helped organize the event, um, they got, we got up early and got breakfast. Um, And then once the blackout fully started, like, I know that there were UNO games um, happening, there were different games happening, like Cards Against Humanity, there were UNO games, Um, we had music all throughout the day. there was naturally a soul train line um and we did little chants to keep each other grounded and to remind everybody why we were there like to remind everybody why we were there and to remind people like that this is an ongoing battle so we did chants every hour to ensure that you know we, we were staying grounded, and we all knew why we were there. We all knew what we were there for. We all knew what we were there to do. Um, so the chants were really important. Um, it, was a, it was a lot of dancing, and it was just a lot of people sharing their experiences. There was a, a circle where people we gave people the opportunity to reflect on how this made them feel and how, you know, not only not only this situation, but just situations throughout their entire life where um, where they felt as though their voice wasn't being heard or they encountered something racist and something to the point where it was just like, okay, how do I deal with this? How do I navigate this as a black person? Because I know that, you know, I'm in this situation, like, yeah, I have autonomy over myself, but I really don't have the authority to do anything about this this situation. So how do I navigate this? And we heard, like, a lot of stories. And not only was this something for students, but um, the Bon Appetit workers. A lot of the Bon Appetit workers are black identified. So we, this was, this was a Friday that this was going on. And this is when they had um, implemented um, this is when they had implemented like Soul Food Fridays, but it wasn't like Soul Food. It it was like you know all different types of uh, cultural food. Um, and you know we we were going in there and we were all getting food and stuff like that. But like even the Bon Appetit workers were having fun. You know the Bon Appetit workers felt as though you know they were a part of this, and we let them like. It, it wasn't that we let them be a part of this, but this was unity not only for the students, but this was unity for the people who worked there and were feeling vulnerable as well. So, you know, even after the blackout, we had 
we we could hear like the conversations of the people in in um the student market who are like yeah because they were saying it's chanting yada 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 like you missed it you were all Friday so you missed it you know so but it felt good to know that like this wasn't just something that students were doing to ensure that we all had each other's back but this was something that could have been campus wide you know it, it was it was campus wide in the sense that all students and stuff were invited but like faculty and staff could have came in and supported us in solidarity but like at that time we were trying to get something done in a good amount of time before it just felt like it was too late before it just felt like you know like we felt as though we had to act quick because if we didn't act quick this was just going to be something that administration was going to look over <laughs> but you know in retrospect and, and thinking back like if we could have you know talk to a couple of professors, get a couple of professors and stuff on board, get other people, you know, just get people on board because it was, it made an impact on the Bon Appetit workers who were in there with us all day. <laughs> like, they were in there with us all day and they enjoyed, you know, kind of seeing us together. They enjoyed the chants. They enjoyed the music. Like, they were having fun with us. So, it definitely, it definitely made me feel good. It definitely made me feel good to see all of the black students there and to see the Bon Appetit workers just having fun and kind of, you know, still doing their jobs and doing what needed to be done, but also acknowledging the fact that, like, we're in there together and we're in there as a community. And, you know, even though we might all come from different experiences and stuff like that, we're together as a family. We're together as a unit, and we all got each other's back. So I think that was one of the best parts for me, and it was one of the most um fruitful experiences that I've had at Yellow Street. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. Thank you. Um, so, two more questions, or maybe just a few more questions for this section. So, in speaking of goals, it seems like one of the major goals you wanted to accomplish was affirming a sense of community in, like, amongst the black people on campus, regardless of, like, whether they were a student, whether they were on staff, whether they were working. Was there any other goals that you were wanting to really accomplish through the show Solidarity? Um, so, yeah, as you mentioned, that was one of my biggest... That was one of my biggest goals in this was to do something community-oriented. Um, throughout my whole life, like community has really been a really big part of who I was. And I come from a really big family and, you know, my family does stuff, does something once a year where we all just get together and like maybe up Marlboro or, um, or in Pennsylvania. Um, and we're just all, we're just all around each other. And like, even though this is like a once a year kind of thing, like it's, you, you feel that sense of community, you feel that sense of love. So like, that's always just something that I valued in my life. But um, I think another goal in trying to create this solidarity was um, I'm educated enough to know that a lot of the times you just can't make change by yourself. People pay attention when things happen in numbers. So one of my goals was again to have all of these people 
in one space where we showed up in numbers and our numbers were powerful enough to have people here like to have people here and to have people show up because that first of all not only is it a whole bunch of students in Mary Fisher like that's that's just always what it is because that's the dining hall that's where students eat but it's a whole bunch of black students and their allies okay so it was it was just kind of like it was kind of like showing up in numbers us being there and us really getting the attention of the people at Gaucho quote unquote matter okay um Cool. And this is the last question, because it seems that overall you're pretty happy with the way that the event was executed. Was there mm-hmm. anything in retrospect that you wish had been handled a bit better throughout the event? Um, let's see. I mean, it was it was some minor things, um, but overall I kind of thought for what it was and for the amount of time that we spent on planning and and you know um, getting this together I feel like it was definitely a success it was it was minor it was literally for me like after we did the debrief there were minor things that had happened and these were things that I guess I can say that I can honestly say that I didn't necessarily see. Um, there were things that I didn't, you know, recognize <laughs> um, um, because I was so busy with kind of like engaging with the community, keeping the crowd, you know, keep, keeping the crowd engaged, um, you know, just talking to people and really um, trying to like just trying my best to be hospitable. Um yeah, but for me, there were little. It, it was it was little things that had happened, but again, these were things that like I really, I don't remember well enough to speak on. But I do know that there were some issues. Okay. All right. Um, move that into that part. This is the final part of the interview questions, and it focuses mostly on the aftermath of the event. On November 30th, 2018, <clears throat> it was announced by in an article by the Baltimore Sun that Finn Arthur, a biracial student, was the culprit of the hate crime. How did you feel learning that Arthur was biracial? Did it change your feelings on the hate crimes? Um... I wouldn't necessarily, yes, a little bit, um, because then it became me trying to fathom why. Um, when you're a peace studies major, a lot of what you get taught is how to analyze. You analyze, you reanalyze, and you start to try and pick out things that you don't necessarily you you maybe not have necessarily seen the first time and 
when we found out <laughs> when the people who were in charge of kind of like organizing this when we all found out who the student was because we did um, a follow-up event um, it, it was a follow-up kind of blackout event um, and after that like we were all sitting in OSE and we all were having um, a conversation and I remember I was sitting in the room and it was probably like five of us and it was two gentlemen and it was two ladies and we were all sitting in there and it kind of seemed like the table was divided and I was the mediator of this so the two guys were in a position where they were like because he is biracial like we should take a different approach to this so we shouldn't be so hard on him because he's biracial um, like we don't want to see another black man go to jail yada 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 and that was something that I understood but the women <laughs> on the other side of the table were like no wrong is wrong and he deserves this which was also something that I understood so also as a peace studies major you kind of learn how to de-escalate you, you kind of learn how to de-escalate situations so I'm sitting in here, and I'm always, I'm a very open-minded individual, so I'm always kind of the mediator. I'm always the person in the middle who is trying to hear everyone's perspective and trying to make something cohesive out of it. So when it came to my thoughts and my feelings about this situation, I was like, I can understand not wanting to put another black man behind bars for something like this. I can understand that, but also he was wrong. I felt like I felt like there was definitely some self hate, and I could see where the guys were coming from. They were like, "Yo, we just need to, you know, we need to talk to him. We need to figure out, like, you know, this, that, and the third. And I, I didn't necessarily because from what there were two totally radical points of view that were happening. And I didn't necessarily agree with either one of them. Like, I felt like the guys were just trying to say, okay, let's not punish him. Let's not send him to jail. Like, you know, let's really try to uplift him. Let's try to figure out what's going on, all this other stuff. And they're like, no. Like, and the, the women were like, no, anything that is coming to him, he deserves to get. And I'm in a place where I'm like, okay, like, he's biracial, so what else is going on? Like, why is there this self-hate, you know, this, that, and the third? And I kind of thought, like, I was also in the place where I didn't want to see him go to jail, but I felt like something more needed to happen. I felt like I felt like he needed to be out of Gaucho. I felt like he needed to issue an apology. I felt like something else needed to happen, but I didn't necessarily feel like jail time was a was a thing. But also, there was a part of me that kind of understood that his actions, like whether or not whether or not he was biracial, his actions deserved a consequence. I just, at the time, could not specifically fathom what that consequence would look like for me. But I did understand both sides of the perspective where it's like, all right, let's not lock him up. And then there's a side that's like, wrong is wrong. So part of me, I was feeling like, okay, wrong is wrong. He should get in trouble. But then like, I was just having these conflicted feelings. It was just like, 
this is this is a lot harder now that we know he's biracial. Like it because if I'm being honest about the situation, had he been a white man, I'd have just been like, okay, like send him to jail because that's racist. This is considered a hate crime. But then in in the situation where he's biracial, I'm like, okay, is this really considered a hate crime? Like, I mean, yeah, it's considered a hate crime, but he's it's like <laughs> he's 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 partially one of us so it's like could you consider a hate crime against like could it be a hate crime against yourself like you know and that's what it kind of felt like it's like oh okay you you got some real deep-seated issues with this half of your identity so so what's going on like you know and I was just kind of I had just kind of gotten to the place where I was like okay yes he should be arrested but I also feel like not only should he be arrested, but he should also have access to resources like counseling, you know, so that he could kind of sift through these problems and kind of see. So, you know, someone professional could see where these problems were coming from and kind of help him understand where these problems were coming from. Because he's also from, like, I think he's also from, like, Maine. So it was like, this is another population where there are just a bunch of white people in this and. and that's all he grew up around and that's all he knew like how could we persecute him for for that we can but you know we kind of have a an idea of where these hateful feelings come from so i don't know i think after finding out that he was biracial i was really conflicted and i really had to i really had to take some time to analyze and really figure out where my standpoint on that spectrum was like where do I feel like you know this was this was gonna go okay <clears throat> as of today if you type gotcha hate crime 2018 into google news there are at least three articles which attribute the hate crime itself to being a hoax how does the branding of the hate crime as a hoax make you feel um when I heard that, I was definitely upset um, because this was an instance in which mainstream media took something that was meant to be unifying and meant to be unifying and meant to be um, a, a really good thing. Um, it it was meant to be unifying and it was meant to be a really good thing. They took it and they twisted. Um, and I kind of felt like the use of the word hoax just makes it seem like we were all aware that this was someone from the black community. This, and, and it just, it really frustrated me. And like, it's not something that I'm surprised about because it's just something that is prevalent. It, it's sad to say it, but it's prevalent in our community where it's like, okay, it, it's like, and I don't want to be, like, I don't want to generalize and I don't want to stereotype and, like, say, like, all white people do this. But this is literally a thing where, um, you know, white people will take a situation or, you know, like, because the powers that be, we all understand the powers that be, like, a lot of the powers that be consist of, you know, white cisgender males. So, you know, in situations such as this one, this was a power move. This is like, okay, they didn't know what they were talking about. And at the end of the day, it's one of them. So it just kind of felt like it was a slap in the face because it just kind of felt like, 
this was a the, the hoax just kind of felt like we were all supposed to know that this was a black student on campus and we just wanted to take the time to be black in their eyes and you know get out of classes and cause a ruckus and you know really just be loud and unkempt and you know doing stuff so that we 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 just wanted attention because we didn't feel like we were getting that attention but then again it also just goes to show that like even if that was the case our voices weren't being heard at goucher if we had to and it it just kind of makes it for me it just kind of makes this whole thing look in a sense stupid because you you want to call us a hoax, but you're also proving the point that our voices at Goucher were not heard. So if this was a hoax, if this was a ploy for attention, like something else had to be going on in order for us to be like, we need this attention, we need the news to come here because this is happening and this is happening and this is happening. But it was definitely a slap in the face when they called it a hoax. But as I, I remember talking to a couple of people who were at the blackouts and at the, um, you know, the, the blackout aftermath, I, I remember talking to a couple of people and then it just being like, you know, this is something, this is not something that surprised me. <laughs> this is something that, you know, I kind of, this is something that I kind of expected. Like, and it's sad to say that, you know, this, this is something that you expect from the media, you know, but it was, it was something that I was just like, okay, well, you know, it's there's nothing that we can do about it now. Because if they think it's a hoax, then they think it's a hoax. But we understand the intent behind what we were doing. And again, it was something to build solidarity, to build unity, and something that I felt like um, for us, I, I felt like for us, this was um, something to ensure that you know, Goucher didn't keep overlooking us and didn't keep overlooking our needs. But, you know, when you're an outsider looking in, the perspective changes. So, I mean, I can understand the change of perspective, but again, like, in our hearts of hearts, the black students at Goucher, we knew what we were doing. We knew that this was something that needed to be done at Goucher because if not, we were going to continue to be overlooked. We were going to continue to be in vulnerable states where we felt unsafe, and that's just bad for mental health. So, you know, this, I, like I said, I'm not surprised. I, I wasn't surprised when I heard that they were calling it a hoax. I wasn't surprised. I'm disappointed, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like you live and you learn, and maybe, you know, not to say that this is something that's going to happen again, but if it had to, if it had to happen again, like um, just and then doing research on something that had already happened, like that we set the precedent for, um, you know, I just hope people, future Delta students who may experience this, kind of heed this as a warning that even if you try to do something good for the community, um, at Goucher, the black community at Goucher, like, it can always be misconstrued. And, you know, maybe doing a little bit more research, maybe, you know, figuring out um, a better way to go about it. And not to say that this wasn't a good way to go about it, but, like, um, retroactively thinking, like, how could this, how could we have ensured that, you know, people wouldn't have thought it was a hoax, but 
Also, like I said, it's people it's people from the outside looking in, so everybody's going to have their opinion, and um, it's just very unfortunate that they wanted to kind of make us look like bad guys, so. Mm. Okay. We're now a year and a half, or a little bit more than a year and a half later, I believe. What actions have you seen the administration undertake to better address the needs of black students? I feel like the administration is a lot more cautious um, about certain things, but I also don't necessarily feel like, I don't necessarily feel like it's the administration that is taking the precautions to ensure that black people have a voice. I feel like what ended up happening in response to the blackout is that other groups, um, other student-led groups on campus took note of what we did. So student organizations that kind of have that connection with, um, that kind of have that connection with administrations such as GSG, which is uh, Georgia Student Government, um, they, they took initiative. So even in, you know, the things that were, the things that were taking place this year where we found out about the 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 changing of public safety to Garter World and you know like the history that Garter World has where um, Garter World has been involved in some racially charged um, has been involved in some racially charged um, altercations with black people and stuff like that like other student organizations kind of looked to us, um, you know, and wanted to ensure that we had a voice in this. And I feel like the word diversity comes up a lot more um, as far as administration is concerned. Like, Gowser has always touted itself to be, like, a diverse campus, um, you know, and Gowser loves to pull out statistics where it's like, oh, well, this is how diverse we are now. Um, and they use diversity, but I feel like we get to a place like where the support staff at Goucher is black and that is their idea, um, black or marginalized and mostly black and marginalized. And that's where they get this idea of like diversity. But if you continue to sort of look at the people who have the higher positions at Goucher, um, these people are still white, um, you know, like white men, white women, and even in new positions that, you know, they're hiring for currently, like we just had another cisgender white man who was hired, and, um, you know, uh, there was a cisgender white woman who was hired, but that's their idea of diversity, and again, students, current Gaucho students, they try to involve us in certain things, but a lot of the times, like, if you listen to um, Kent's explanation of a lot of, um, if you listen to Kent's explanation of a lot of things, he'll say, you know, this was something that was private, this was something that the board wanted, and we had to move this way because we didn't want this leaked, and yada, 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 but Kent also just gives me... <laughs> a lot of 
lot of the times he just gives me this vibe where it's kind of like <clears throat> he wants to make it look like he's doing the right things in regards to diversity. Um, but it kind of just a lot of times gives off this vibe like, oh, Goucher has black friends too. And we listen to our black students. Um, and this is what our black students want. But yet he makes a lot of decisions without even consulting black students, um, which is very frustrating at times. But yeah, I don't necessarily feel like administration has done enough at this point to really ensure that black students are heard. I feel like I feel like we have to use other organizations as a crutch in order to allow for us to have our voices heard. Um, and uh, again, a lot of these groups. <laughs> are consistent of white students like it's like white students are giving are trying to give black students a voice that we should have already had from the gate because this was this was something that really impacted us and it just doesn't feel like it just doesn't feel like we're we're being heard on our own at this point it's kind of like we have to have someone else else to vouch for us like their ideas are valid too you should really listen to them rather than this is what we're saying and we need you to listen to us like we can't I just don't feel like black students have that authority to be able to talk to administration like that okay do you think some of the um, not necessarily policies but some of the curricula that have been instituted like the diversity trainings that the institution implements are adequate to foster a more inclusive community a lot of things that Goucher has implemented could could potentially um, help with diversity, but it's just all about who you get to teach these courses. Mm. Um, as I was, as I mentioned kind of earlier, as my experience as a black student at Goucher, a lot of the time when I feel like I'm a token black student um, in the classroom because I'm the one who's most at a like most equipped to share my experiences um, that are so similarly related to a lot of these lessons that we learn about um, that we learn about black people and inequality and, and things like that. Like I don't feel like in the sense of diversity training, like if you if you're trying to teach people about diversity and, you know, teach people about different perspectives and trying to have an open mind and stuff like that. I don't necessarily think that this is a conversation or this is a lesson that should be taught by a white man or a white woman because that's not diverse. Goucher, I kind of feel like Goucher is in this place where they're not trying to diversify Goucher enough. Like, we are in the eyes of the Goucher administration where diverse and we're community and we're community oriented, we're community based, like this word community is thrown around a lot, but it only seems to be benefiting a certain type of community. Uh, and I do feel like Goucher has the potential to do better. And honestly, that's one of the reasons why I didn't leave Goucher. Um, like I, that's one of the reasons why I didn't transfer from Goucher because I'm one of the students who feels like if I go somewhere and I see that there's a potential for change to be made, that is the best type of environment for me to be in. I feel like me being able to 
make I I, I want to be in a place where I'm able to make change and even if I can't complete my assignment of making the change I can at least start and Delta was a challenge to me Delta was one of those places where I felt like I could insert my voice along with other students. Like, that's that's what I came to love about Goucher. I could insert myself in spaces with other students who were like-minded and who had the same goal in mind. I feel like a lot of the black students who remain at Goucher, we all realize that Goucher has its issues and Goucher has its faults. But if we keep fighting and we keep pushing, we are then at some point, like even if it even if it just comes down to us wearing the Gaucho administration out, we get to make that change, you know. And and that's kind of where I see myself. I feel like Gaucho is implementing a lot of things and trying to be diverse, but like this is a cyclical cycle that keeps happening. And like I feel like in the higher up positions, like the the powers that be at Gaucho have to understand themselves what diversity looks like. They have to understand themselves. Like, if they really want to understand what diversity is, come from out of your seat, come from out of your office, and come and talk to your black students. Because these are the people, like, these people who are in college right now, these black students who are in college right now, these are the people who are going to be working adults within the next, you know, depending on which which year they're in, going to be working adults within the next one to four years. So it's like, these are the people that you need to start talking to now, and I just feel like sometimes it's a it's an age difference, um, you know. But I feel like the implementation needs not to just start with the hiring of different people who you feel like is uh, the hiring of different people who you feel like are quote unquote diverse. But it needs to start off with you all with the administration branching out to different places to branching out to his students, branching out to places like HBCUs, having these difficult conversations that they're avoiding. Because it's it's very evident that, you know, white people tend to avoid the conversations about race. And they tend to avoid the conversations about the struggles that minority people go through. But in order to become diverse, in order to get over these humps, you have to be able to have these difficult conversations. And they're just avoiding these conversations, and they avoid these conversations further when these implementations that you know um, that they come up with do not include the people who they're trying to make the campus and the community better. For. <clears throat> okay, there's two more questions left. Um, first, do you think if there was another situation like a hate crime? pertaining to race that puts you in danger, do you think your non-person of color friends would know what to do and how to make you feel safe? Um, I honestly couldn't give you an answer for that. Um, I just feel like my non-colored, my, my non-black friends, um, I feel like we talk a big game about how, like, what injustice is, how injustice works, and, you know, what we would do if ever placed in a situation of injustice. But I kind of feel like 
without the practical application, <laughs> without the practical application, without people really being in a situation like that, um, and really having to kind of figure out where their morals and stuff lie, like they are not gonna understand. They're, they're not gonna understand, and they're not gonna be equipped to deal with something like that. Like, um, and you know, like I said previously, they tend to shy away having conversations and stuff like that about race and during the black out there were definitely some people who were not black that were there in solidarity and like you know but it was a handful because anyone else who came in and was like not of you know and who was not black like a lot of the times they just walked past us and didn't even look at us like they were afraid to look at us um and I kind of just feel like if this was something that was to if this was something that was to happen again at Goucher, I don't necessarily feel like they would know how to deal with it because again this is something that they don't have to deal with. It, it doesn't fully affect you until this is something that you have to go through and you know white students aren't getting death threats you know, people aren't writing racist graffiti um on bathroom doors that endanger the life of white people. So this is not an experience that they had. So I don't, it's not to say that I don't have faith that you know some, some students are gonna stand up and be like, this was wrong, this is what we need to do. But I don't I don't necessarily think that they're equipped to, to handle that. I feel like if this was to happen again, it would be the marginalized communities who would join and band together in unity before the the, the white students. Hmm. Okay. Last question: What are some things that you would like to see moving forward that might that would make you feel recognized or heard by the administration, and you might feel would could foster this more diverse, inclusive community? Um. I feel like I feel like the power the, the the power needs to shift. Like the board of trustees who makes a lot of decisions at Goucher, like the board of trustees, a lot of the people who sit on the board of trustees are not of color. Like the board of trustees represents Goucher from the time that like from from like the 1930s and you know forward but within the past couple of years we all know that Gaucher has gotten a lot more diverse but the power the people who have power at Goucher do not exemplify this diversity like moving forward I would like to see more people of color on the board of trustees and I know what the Board of Trustees looks like because I was a student representative on the Board of Trustees and I was in charge of talking about campus life and um, in my group in my group there were probably three black people there two, it was two three of us in there so I feel like the people who hold power at Goucher like that needs to shift like we talk we talk a lot about diversity but what 
like diversity doesn't look like diversity in the places where power is held. Like that's something that I need to see shift. And then I think just <clears throat> having more events where you know black alumni are present because for me I know that representation is everything. I was in a place where I didn't necessarily feel I at first being at Delta I didn't necessarily feel like like I, I didn't have any representation. I didn't have you know people to be like oh they went to Goucher and they made it through Goucher so like this is what I'm gonna strive to do. Like no like I started seeing black alumni you know um, I started seeing black alumni later on in my time at Goucher and I know that that was quite impactful for me. But if you are an introvert and you don't really do anything, you know, and you, you don't really know anything and all you ever see around Goucher is, like, white alums who are really involved and stuff like that, like, sometimes it can be hard for you for you to see yourself in the position of success. So having more, having more spaces and events in which black alumni are present and black alumni are able to talk to other black students and like maybe having like a black alumni student mentorship kind of thing where we don't have to go and dig to get the information from Goucher about the alum the black alums that came before us. Like these are just people who are willing to help students who, you know, are currently at Goucher and currently going through the motions of maybe not feeling like they're adequate enough to, to finish out. You know, but like just having that sense of mentorship and having, you know, like having to have that connection because we don't have the connection with alumni. But I feel like diversity is a couple of places where diversity, with the idea of diversity, needs to be changed. That doubt should like not because once the idea change, once the idea changes, then it physically changes. So having that idea, having that paradigm shift of what diversity means to us at Goucher, what I, what diversity means to the people who are powerful at Goucher, like that needs to change before like Goucher becomes more diverse. Okay. Well, that's everything. Thank you. No problem.